Rwanda is famous for gorillas, but listen to many other fabulous experiences you have while visiting this now even more exciting destination. Enjoy. Welcome to the Travel Advice Show. Thank you for listening all around the world. And you can listen to all our shows at TravelAdviceShow.com and on iTunes. And you can subscribe to our shows. And we have shows all around the world from Asia, Europe, Africa, South America, North America, New Zealand, Australia. And I'm Chris Newton, one of the co-hosts. And I'd like to introduce my other co-host, Jerry Bohr. How are you doing, Jerry? Very good. I'm really excited, as usual about this show because we're having Nikki Brandon of Kerr and Downey, uh, one of the finest um, tour operators in the world. And uh, Nikki, welcome. We're thrilled to Thank have you. Thank you very here. much. Thank you. I'm you know, excited to be on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome, Nikki. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being on the show, being a great guest with us. Yeah. Thank you. And before we begin t- uh, into the real topic, Nikki, would you tell us about Kerr and Downey? for the listeners that have not heard of you? Okay. um, We're a a travel design company um, that um, started, gosh, we've been in the business, I think, for over 40 years. Our roots were in Africa, but um, gradually due to demand, because we did such a good job in Africa, we've actually flourished out slowly uh, due to a lot of research into the rest of the world. So basically, we're an experiential um, travel company, which means, and what we also do is that we we handcraft individual um, travel itineraries. So there's no set departures, there's no groups, it's all off the beaten track, um, private access to places that you wouldn't normally have as the run of the mill. Um, and then we also have... Um, Yes, just incredible, incredible experiences that um, that due to that, we get an awful lot of repeat clients. And basically, the experience with us, if everything goes according to plan, is totally and utterly seamless. We take care of everything from right from the beginning of the client's trip, from that first phone call, right through to the end and when they come back. Uh, but a big part of us, which everyone, um, so everyone also always thinks of, oh, okay, luxury has just been about the accommodation. But what we also look at is the five-star experiences as well um, that, that that we can we can put on offer. So this also then ties in with the adventure side of things as well. So we can do anything from the most big, beautiful um, presidential suites right down to the most rustic, lovely, uh, vintage, authentic safari camp with long drop toilets and bucket showers. So <laughs> it totally and utterly depends on what the client wants. Yeah. Oh, I know. And I, I do want to, um, in case any of our listeners just go online, uh, I do know there is another company called Kerr and Downey Africa, I think is their legal name. Are yes. you related to them at all? No, they're nothing to do with us. We have a um, quite complex history that has started from way back in the days in, I think, originally Ethiopia or Kenya. 
And because of that, um, there have been sort of mushrooms off of the off the office. So we're basically it's us. We are Curran Downey. We're based in the states, and um, we operate out of Katy, Texas. Wow, fantastic! Um, I, can you also uh, tell us? Um, well, I guess you basically told us what you actually do, the company. But um, I know we discussed maybe doing a day-by-day uh, go-through as to exactly – well, there's no exact because you do it uh, designed especially what they want to do. But can you run through a, an itinerary? We were talking about Rwanda. And yes, wow. Uh, talking about why would anybody want to go to Rwanda. And uh, I mean, I love the place. But – Yes. Some people don't think of Rwanda as a destination to go to. They think of Namibia, Botswana, South Africa, Zimbabwe. Um, but why would you recommend Rwanda? Tell us a little bit about Rwanda, or as much as you'd like. And then oh you, gosh, I can go down about Rwanda for hours. <laughs> well, I know because it's so unique and different, and it's not touristy like the other yeah. <laughs> African countries. But would um, and then get. Maybe run through a, a, a maybe a common thing, uh, itinerary that everyone has to do. Um, okay. And then if you could just run through that and say what people do, the type of uh, accommodations they stay in. Uh, do they always go by land, or do you need to fly between areas or camps? Or if you do that for us, I'd appreciate it. Okay. Um, well, basically, um, just to give you information, Rwanda is a landlocked country, and it's actually called the um, country of a thousand hills, which I didn't understand until I got there. And then when you actually get there, you realize that literally there isn't hardly, apart from the valleys, it is literally hills are everywhere. Apart from there's one side called the Akagira area, which is I'll talk about later. Um, everyone thinks of, um, you know, Rwanda for the gorillas, which obviously I'll go into later too, but there's, it, there's an awful lot else to offer there as well. And the people are lovely. I, I personally, you know, they had a very tragic history, especially in, in the 1990s, and they've so moved forward from that, and they've become so developed. And I really think it's probably one of Africa's best, apart from the gorillas, it's one of Africa's best-kept secrets. And they have the most amazing conservation projects, which um, we are, you know, part of our brand is the fact of philanthropy and giving back and conservation and how it's handled and sustainability. And, yeah, Rwanda is, is, is really quite successful. The thing that totally blew my mind is that, you know, you'll get to uh, Kigali Airport and they thoroughly search you for plastic bags. Plastic bags are not allowed in. Mm. Interesting. Yes, uh, that totally blew my mind. Yes, I yeah. wasn't aware. Because they, do you know, is that a recent thing? Because I don't recall my ever taking plastic in, but I yes. don't recall them even saying, did, do you have any plastic bags? Yes, um, I think it's probably been the last three or four years, if I remember oh. correctly. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, no, and it's, you know, and, and then once a month, everyone, you know, has to clean up their yard and tidy up their yard. And um, so it's, you know, so that they are really keeping the area. 
and also what there is an awful lot of is um, this serious pressure, you know, sort of wildlife versus um, people and agriculture, and they're working very hard on to make sure that it's actually quite balanced. Nice. That's great. That's great yeah. to hear. Yeah. Mm. Can you run through, um, because, oh, oh, do you know the best time to go to Rwanda? What time of year would people want to go there? Uh, normally the dry season we would recommend, which is, um, it's basically the rainy season. We wouldn't recommend you go because obviously the rains are, you know, the roads are quite tight and narrow. And also then when you go up into the forest with the gorillas, um, you're obviously rained on and it's quite, it can be quite a steep climb, which obviously I'll go into later. Um, but so basically the dry season is the best time to go. And, um, even in the dry season, it can rain, can't it? A particular it can, yes. <laughs> I know one time, one time I went over there and you have to, I mean, you'll go into the detail. But um, we were climbing up to get to them, and it's not an easy trip. And uh, it rained on us, and I mean the water's running down that mountain, and we're, uh, like we're walking through a river, not quite. Yes. But yeah. it was a, a horrible experience. Yeah. <laughs> but as well. Yeah. So every, yeah. So June, June to mid December is the long dry season, um, and obviously the best time to visit which happens to coincide when everyone's on holiday. So availability is quite tight. Um, October to November isn't, isn't too bad either. Um, it's a shorter rainy season than the long one. Um, and then uh, December to February, again, is also very popular. Mm. Now, so it, it's, you, it's good. What would you recommend? So people fly into Kigali. And then yes. you meet them there at customs yes. as they exit. And um, then what do they do? Do they stay in Kigali a night or two? Yes. Do well, obviously, it depends on it depends on what time they arrive. Um, but we normally recommend the first night that people actually stay in Kigali. And then um, the next day, then they can um, head out and just do a tour of Kigali if they need it. Um, it, and you know, you also, it? oh yes, no, totally. Um, what you have is again, everyone just thinks of you know gorillas um, mm -hmm. for Rwanda, but there's also chimpanzees. There, Rwanda is also famous for its coffee. It's famous for its tea. Uh, you know, so there's loads of other things you can do as well. So it's not just you know, a lot of people think, okay, we're going to go do Kenya and then we'll whiz into Rwanda and whiz out again and just do the gorillas. There's mm -hmm. so much more else to do. Now, let me ask, um, so um, after they've done one night or two nights in Kigali, uh, yes. do they travel Rwanda mainly by ground or do they fly it? Or Okay, this the, the main areas of... Um, if you're looking at a map of Rwanda, you've got the up-and-coming new national park. Well, it's not new, but it's been um, revamped and everything. You've got the Akagira area. Um, but then you have to come back to Kigali by road to then um, head up to go and see the, the gorillas. 
Transfer is on these narrow roads that wind up through um, all the hills and the valleys, and it's quite it is excellent. So what we try and do, depending on what your clients want, is um, you drive one way, say if you were to go and see the gorillas, and then I highly recommend, if your budget allows, that you then have a helicopter trip back because it, that is the most amazing thing. Because of... Um, all of these hills are terraced because of the agriculture. They, um, you're, you're, you're flying in between all these hills, and you're at the same level as all these, as, as all these terraces that are being farmed. It's, it's really quite amazing. Oh, beautiful! Yeah. You know about what they yeah. cost? Can you give our listeners a, an idea of the cost of the helicopter one way? Yeah. Well, you see, the thing is, it would depend where you are. Um, oh. And then um, not only that, it depends where you are, where you're going from A and B and the routing of the helicopter. Uh-huh. So, like, we've just had clients recently who went out to go and see Akagira where they've just relocated rhinos and lions um, that had actually been wiped out due to, due to poaching. So we had clients who went there. And then rather than going all the way back to Kigali to then head up to go and see the gorillas, they actually helicoptered from Akagira to to um, drop off to go and see the gorillas for a couple of nights. And that was quite expensive. So it's uh, totally different. $2,000? Yeah, it's, it's basically at the moment coming out, I think it's about, also it depends, but it's about on the size of the helicopter because you can have six-seaters, three-seaters. Um, but you're looking at about $1,500 an hour upwards, okay. depending on, you know, how long but your trip actually is and where you're going. Well worth every penny, I think. Yes. Because I, uh, I, my friends just think I'm crazy, but I'm infamous for uh, charting helicopters. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because, number one, yeah. well, we were on an Australia-New Zealand trip, my friend and I, for 10 days. And uh, in that 10 days, we chartered 11 helicopters. And uh, wow. they're very expensive. But <laughs> they are. The view <laughs> and what you do and the time you save, it actually, oh, yeah, totally. I, mean, I mean, it actually, in some cases, it comes out quite reasonable. You don't have to overnight oh, yes. in another city, yeah. more food. I mean, you don't have to stay in the country another three or four days total or whatever. So, yes, um, no, it does. It does speed things up, and then, and especially like if you're a family, it's just much easier to do, depending oh, yeah. on the size of the helicopter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that should be considered. So um, yes. So th- you, you mentioned um, going up to see the ge- wild game. Are there any wild game still in Rwanda? Like yes, in, there is. Yes. Is it worth going there for it versus Tanzania and uh, Kenya? Well, where Akagira is is more of um, it's more of like the Serengeti, you know, the terrain there, which is why they're relocating animals there. So if you've been there, done it, and seen everything already in Tanzania or or Kenya or anywhere else, um, the exciting thing is just to go to Akagira, so you can actually, you know see these lions that have been relocated and then the rhinos that have been relocated just so that you are actually supporting a, a, a conservation project. Um, so I would definitely, if you're a third timer to Africa and you want to go off the beaten track, I would, yeah, I would go to Akagira. Mm-hmm. And so they go from there and um, 
and then they go to see the gorillas. Can you yes. tell us? Now, before you start on the gorillas, I've been there probably, oh, my word, over the decades, uh, at least 10 times to see the gorillas up there. And do you – I know they went through a period of time where they said if you want to see the gorillas, you need to do pay for two-day permits because they are oversold permits. And this has been, I don't know, 20 years ago. And um, you at least get one day to see them because the government was overselling the permits, and they only allow so many people per day to go up there. Do they still only allow so many people a day to go? Yes, they do. Um, and you only go up in groups of eight. They are right. going to release a few more. But what they've also done is they've just actually doubled the gorilla permit. Um, right. Much to every yes, much to everyone's horror. But the reason that they're doing it is um, because the their gorilla project is so successful. They're trying to um, a. It means you know that the the numbers are kept to the minimum. Because don't forget, you're not allowed to go up and see them if you've got a cold or anything. Right. Um, and there's a huge you know there's a just the vet department is down at the bottom just to keep an eye on them. So they, they, they've upped it totally for the conservation projects, which, you know, a lot of people were quite upset about that. But when it's explained properly to what they're going to do with the money, it's actually, it's actually a positive story. Mm -hmm. it's, it's quite incredible because, you know, obviously um, that whole national park is protected and, you know, it can't be farmed on or anything. And obviously, meanwhile, the population in Rwanda is growing. So basically, this is just to also inject more money back into the community. I was very lucky when I was there. They had this ceremony called the Quito and Zinga. Have you ever been to it? No, but I've heard of it. It sounds wonderful. Oh, it is totally and utterly amazing. What it is is the, um, the president comes um, up, to, up to the national park, and the, all of the communities in the surrounding area are there. And it's actually basically the naming of the baby gorillas. Obviously, the baby gorillas stay up in the in the forest, right, yeah. not watered down and baptized or anything. But each, um, but what happens is is that um, all the new baby gorillas are actually given names, oh, and cool. and it's yes, and it's it's chosen by you know different people every year depending on uh, which gorilla they're allocated to, and obviously whether it's a male or a female. And the president comes down, there's big dancing, there's press all over the place, uh, the oh. communities are all over the place, and and then they go through the whole ceremony of naming the baby gorillas, and then, and then all the communities there, I mean, there's tents everywhere, and then they all have lunch, these thousands of people. It's just the most amazing thing that you could possibly think of. So it's very much, um, it's great because, you know, you're there mingling with everybody. It's just, it's lovely. It really yeah. is. And yeah. I, I felt quite honored to be there that day, I have to admit. Oh, I don't blame you. Now, so if, I know you must give a day, you must get your permit. And now, are you guaranteed, unless you have a cold or something, um, you you will go up on that day? They didn't, didn't oversell the permits anymore? No. No, we didn't have a problem at all. They, they're all very strict. It's, it's, they've come on so far with everything. It's just great so to see and how they've been 
developed at all. Mm-hmm. Now, I know the permits are not cheap. Uh, do you know no. what the permits cost now? Yes, uh, they've gone up to, I think it's about around $1,400, $1,500 per track. Right, and that's for one permit. day, one trip. Yes, and it's not even a day. Um, uh, you yeah. only actually get an hour with the gorillas, but it's the most right. amazing hour that shoots past. So what you yeah. do is you get up really, really early in the morning um, and go up there to get your permit to meet your guide. And then they, they sort you out according to age and fitness. And, you know, because you've obviously got your more athletic ones that are quite happy to trek four hours to see a gorilla. And then you've got the others who aren't. So, and they, like me, I was quite happy. I was the second lowest group, which was great. So, um, so they, what's happened before is, you know, they have, they have these gorilla groups are totally and utterly under armed guards the whole time. And the guides know where they are, so, and the rangers. So, the rangers are, uh, know where they are before you even get there, where they've settled to eat, have their breakfast. So, you then head up on the trek, whichever, you know, group you're going to go and see. And then, um, and then, yeah, so, I mean, we were told it would probably take an hour and a half to see our group, but by the, <laughs> in fact, they moved down towards us, which I was quite grateful for, so it only took us 50 minutes. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and you just, you sit then with them for the, you know, for the whole hour, um, and your guide explains everything. And then, yes, you do the hour and then you head down. And then the great thing also about the trek is you are, if you want to, allocated a porter who you pay for, you know, you pay direct just to take your backpack. Because right. also, as you get nearer to the gorillas, you have to leave your backpack far away. All you're allowed to do is take in your um, camera. Mm. So so they sit with your backpack, you know, that's got your water in and everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the first so, time you I see just, a gorilla is unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, totally. I mean, you, you know, when you think yeah, you've you, been there, done it, and then in actual fact, no, you get surprised by the gorillas. So it's the most yeah. emotional moment. Yeah, because yeah. here you are, are exhausted going up this. It's a mountain, and it's not an easy trail, is it? No. Uh, rocky. It's like going to a, a river bottom, and um, you finally get up there, and the guide. Uh, do they still? I haven't been there in probably about six years, but do they still? Um, when they get closer, they tell you not to make a sound, so it keeps. Oh yeah, totally. And no, then all of a sudden, totally. the guide stops. And uh, he yep. will point. Does he still just point? And you turn your head and, what, two meters away is a gorilla looking at you? <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and you all the babies and, yes, no, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's, it's one of the most exciting experiences in the world that you cannot describe the first time you ever see a gorilla in the wild, is it? I mean, you turn and see it and you go, you cannot describe it. It's so fabulous. No, it's just incredible. Yeah, it's worth the fifteen hundred dollars now. I mean, when oh, I, I, I it for uh, thirty, forty years ago, uh, I think it's one hundred fifty dollars. But it was wow. not organized too much. You had to have a guide, and um, it was quite arduous to get up there and back. Yes, because um, you're coming down that, and sometimes if it rained on you, it's kind of slippery, isn't it? So it's kind of dangerous. It's not dangerous, but you've got to be a little cautious. On that trip, don't you still think? 
Yes, and there's some people who are like, oh, I'll never be able to do that because it is so arduous. But there's, there's at the moment, there's one group I know that are down, that aren't up so high on the slope. So for those people who, who maybe aren't as physically fit, um, the guides make sure that they actually get to go and see them. Um, and then there was another lady there. They have these um, sort of pods which you can get uh, the porters to carry. So if you can't actually walk, you can still go up in these sort of Rwandan pods. I can't remember the name of them. But they um, – so that they do cater for everybody now. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. So yes. how long would you recommend in anyone planning their itinerary with you all to stay in that national park? What would be the minimum time, number of nights? As you get up, yes, because you get up quite early, so I would I would recommend two nights just so you can recover from your trek. So then having said that, um, where I was staying, I'd met a gentleman who, he was coming back, but he was seriously fit. I mean, this was his, he had come, he'd seen them once, and then he was back there that time and he was there to try and see every single group oh really yes so i mean he's he's obviously an except yeah i mean no gosh he was i think going for 12 days really yes but i mean that's obviously an exception to the norm most people will do one or two obviously treks depending on their budget um and then you know and also once you've done the trek in the morning you can do in the afternoon there's plenty of other things to do you know like all the coffee farms and stuff so it, it's 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 just lovely i and also it, i would say i would have quite happily spent three nights there but the average is two nights okay. uh-huh so after you've seen the gorilla would you recommend seeing the gorillas at the beginning of your rwanda experience Let's say you had a week in Rwanda or at the end? I would do it at the beginning because they are one of the highlights so that once you've done that, you can appreciate everything else that Rwanda has to offer. So your mind will be occupied on going to see them in the future. Yes. So you just, yes. So you, yeah, that's me because then afterwards um, I headed on down to a place called Nyungwe which is just the most amazing, which is in a totally different part of Rwanda. So again, you go you go back to Kigali and then you head out uh, in the other direction. And Nyungwe is amazing. That's like all the tea growing areas and they have a canopy walk there. And there you can also trek to go and see the chimpanzees who move far faster than the gorillas. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, are you? Yeah. Uh, do they? Uh, when you go see them there, uh, do they have an armed, like military person, go with you in case they attack you? Who the gorillas or the uh-huh. um, uh, the gorillas? No, well, um, that we do did have an armed guard with us, but that's also uh-huh. because people forget that they they can be um, buffalo up in the forest. Uh-huh. Um, so it's not. I felt totally safe when we were with. Gorillas. The, the guides are expertly trained. Mm-hmm. So, um, and in fact, I was busy filming one, and the next thing, this huge silverback is just coming straight towards me. <laughs> and in fact, we have we're not allowed to use the video because I swore I was so like wow. Um, right. So it was like I forgot that I was recording. 
and he literally just he he literally just walked up and he was literally half a meter from me and the guy was like just stay still stay still right, he right. just walked past continued on and then went to go and play with some of the baby gorillas that were up to my left mm-hmm. so it's quite incredible yeah i was in the uh, simian mountains in northern ethiopia and oh, wow. took us up to see the uh, gorillas and um I don't know, maybe 15 minutes before we got there, we picked up a soldier. Maybe he's a national park um, ranger, but he had this big rifle. I don't know the kind. I know nothing about guns, but it was meant to be serious. And I said, oh, do you think we're going to get attacked? He said, no, no, you're fine. But in case, for some reason, they don't like you and they come after you, I never wanted to know was it only a stun gun or if they had bullets. But to know, it, just like you, I mean, they just looked at you and walk around you. And it's yes, wonderful. it's amazing. It's, it is. Not the, you feel tiny. Go ahead. No, and you just feel very small. I never, I felt really small when that silverback came past me. I mm-hmm. felt tiny. And I'm yeah. quite tall. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the males are so much bigger than the females, and it's amazing. Yeah. So um, I've seen gorillas in several parts of the, in Africa, and um, I get excited every time. So I'm really glad that they've opened that area of Rwanda where um, you're allowed to go up there. Now, how long would you stay up there? Do you need two nights up there also, minimum? Where's that at? Yungwe. Uh, oh, up in the, uh, yes, up to see the gorillas. Oh, well, the gorillas, yes, it would be a minimum of two nights. And then I would recommend um, up in Yungwe, where the chimpanzees are for the trekking there, I would I would recommend another two to three nights. Mm-hmm. The, the chimpanzee permits are, are slightly cheaper at, <laughs> well, when I was there a year and a half ago, at a whopping only $100 per trek. <laughs> and, and that's, <laughs> yeah, no, slightly less than the gorillas. And, right. um, yeah, and I mean, the canopy walk is incredible there, you know, where you're actually at the forest tree line and everything, and you can just see so much else. Mm-hmm. So that was quite. And then, of course, you're in Yungwe, you're up in the tea estates as well, so you can, you know, visit the tea farms and do tea tasting ceremonies and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it's just beautiful up there. So. For any visitor going to Rwanda and to get the gorillas, chimpanzees, and the um, other, anything else that they need, the tea, what would be the minimum length of nights, let's go by nights, that they would need, including staying the nights in Kigali when they have to change and go back there to go somewhere else? Yes, I would say eight, but even that's quite hectic. That's that's quite busy. I would recommend ten. Ten bit, ten nights, yeah. Yeah, but again, you know, this totally and utterly depends on your budget and what else you're doing pre and post going to Rwanda. Right. Uh, so now I know there's no such thing as a general cost, but if somebody did it with Kern Downey, um, with a private driver and. Now, do you have private drivers and guides, or do most people go with a private driver guide? We can do either. It totally, again, depends on your client. 
because uh, like when I went out to Nyungwe, we went to also go and visit quite a few museums, you know, to do more of the cultural um, side of Rwanda. But generally, on the whole, our guides are driver guides, and they're excellent. And uh, so what would a, a trip cost if two people went? And I know there's no such thing. But if they were gone, yeah. let's say, ten, I know, if they were gone <laughs> ten nights and they stayed in at least, let's say, four-star hotels. Yes, and, uh, I would say and, probably. And the whole thing. Yeah, I would say probably, and also it depends on time of year, because you know yeah. um, sometimes of the year they charge more. But I would, I would probably say a thousand US dollars per person per day. Okay, per person per day. So it yeah. costs close to twenty thousand dollars roughly to do it a wide variety of things and do it right. Yes, but I mean, having said that, that um, yeah, I would, I would, I would stick to that. Yes depending on time of year that they're going, and, and also what accommodation they're staying in. Right. Uh, because, you know, quite a few luxury companies uh, have actually moved in there to set up new lodges and camps. So, again, it, it, it's going to totally depend on which camp or lodge they stay in. Right. And are those camps like in, um, um, let's say, Kenya, Tanzania, uh, are they like 1,000 Fifteen hundred, seventeen hundred dollars a night. The new one. Yes, some of the yes, some of them are. Um, so, and there's a new one going in called Basati, which is also it's going to be lovely. So it's um, there's definitely people are looking at Rwanda, mm -hmm. and you know, and again, you have to. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yes. So. Um, yeah, so I think it. that's also, you know, because also up until now, there's, you know, there's been hardly any accommodation up there compared to the demand. So, right. you know, at the time, sometimes you have to book a year in advance for Rwanda. Right. And uh, what would be the least expensive lodges that you would recommend people to stay in for accommodation? Would they be three-star? No, we, we probably we uh, more the four-star. Of which there um, are quite a few. Because three-star in Rwanda is still kind of primitive, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so, again, it totally depends on your client. Some people would rather save on the accommodation and then keep the money for the permit to go and do as many checks as they can. So right, it totally right. depends on how adventurous your client is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would want to recommend on Rwanda? No, I, those those are the three highlights. So the gorillas, the chimpanzees, and Akagira. And then if you did want a bit of rest and recreation, there's a lake called Lake Kuvu, mm -hmm. which um, is in another area that um, sometimes our clients, if they've got enough time, will go and just rest there for two days, sunbathe, swim, relax, and then head home. Nice. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, That's great. This has been magnificent, yeah, Mickey. Yeah. So, can you tell us um, how our listeners can contact Kerr and Downey? Uh, yes, our website is kerrdowney.com. Just very simple. Oh, would, you Kerr? would you spell Kerr? K E R. Yes, it's K E R D O W N E Y dot com. 
and we'll have a link to, to you guys on the TravelAdviceShow.com, too. We'll have a link to your website. Okay. So, yeah. Well, Nikki, thank you. This has been fabulous. Yeah. Great. Nikki, yes. Well, I, yes, so thank you I so hope much. you all enjoyed it. Very yeah. much. Thank you for listening to our show from all around the world. We really appreciate that. And we'd like to uh, give a shout-out. Thank you to Stephen Pratt for helping compose the music, the wonderful intro and the ending of the show. And I'd also like to uh, say thank you to James Steed uh, for helping with the website and audio information. And also Nate Scholes um, about uh, getting us on the right track and helping us on the podcast on Travel Advice Show. Um, So thank you so much and uh, enjoy all your travels around the world.